Thank you, choir. Would you turn, please, to Psalm 24, the 24th division of the Psalms. May we pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee that Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings, and He will come again. And until he comes, may we praise him, may we love him, may we see people brought by faith to him, may believers rejoice in him, and those who are troubled, who are disturbed, who have burdens, may they find those burdens are lifted at Calvary. And we pray that even this morning, those in the auditorium and those who listen by radio will be convicted by the Holy Spirit and brought to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. The book of Psalms is a precious nugget of gold. It is the hymn book of the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament days, the book of Psalms was like the hymn book we hold in our hands. And when the people of God would come together, they would sing those hymns. We've lost the melodies, but the text lingers on to bless and nourish and strengthen and convict those who read. And the 24th Psalm is a majestic, stately hymn. Some have believed it was composed originally of three poems which were independent of each other. But they have now become part and parcel, one with another. This hymn was sung antiphonally one group would sing and the other group would answer. It was used especially at the time of the Feast of the Tabernacles, which was a New, York, New Year's festival. It was used at the dedication of the temple. It was used at the bringing of the ark to the city of Jerusalem. But I think those who stand on this side of Calvary can get a lot more from the 24th Psalm than those Hebrew people who used to sing it in the long ago. And so with this in mind, we want to open the 10 verses and the gold that is in this glorious little chapter. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, 
and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in who is this king of glory the Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle lift up your heads O ye gates even lift them up ye everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in who is this king of glory the Lord of hosts he is the king of glory Selah the little word Selah which appears throughout the Psalms is an intranslatable idiom S-E-L-A-H some have identified this as the city of Edom which was sometimes called Selah down by the, Red, the Dead Sea however a more likely translation of that little idiom is just this thought think of that imagine this think of such a thing the Lord of hosts he is the king of glory think of that imagine such a thing now as we imagine such a thing and we think on this psalm there are three precious golden truths that just come out and fill our souls with gladness this psalm speaks of the goodness of God and the grounds of our acceptance before God and it gives us a glimpse of the glory yet to come first of all the greatness or the goodness of God the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods this passage speaks of the sovereignty of God God is in control of the universe the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof everything in the earth all the vegetation all the beautiful mountain scenery those things that go with the earth to bless this earth and I take it that that would include all the solar system and all the galaxies and all of the vast universe because God says in his word that he put all that out there to bless us W.A. Criswell tells of the men who went to the moon and our government spent millions of dollars billions of dollars to send men to the moon they wanted to find out what there was what was there on the moon and what it was made of and what it looked like and so they went and with all the billions of dollars that were spent and all of the vast array of attention that was given those men went up there and they walked on the moon and they sent back the word to the earth on that moon they found little particles of glass-like substance it was like silicon and they didn't understand what it was and why it was like that and what 
that little glass-like substance does is to reflect the sun on the moon to the earth. And the Bible says that God made the moon for a light for man on the earth in the night. W.A. Criswell said if they'd asked me before they'd went, they went, I could have saved the United States government millions of dollars because I could have told them that that's what was on the moon because the Bible said it. Now, dear friends, when you think of the greatness of this earth and the vastness of this universe, sometimes don't you at night go out there and look up those stars and you look at the moon and you think of all the vast array of planets and stars and heavenly beings that go out and out and out for all eternity. And somebody says space is round. And if you go out that far enough, you'll come back the other way because it's round. It goes on forever. Don't you sometimes feel like singing, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art. That's what the psalmist was saying. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. In the last few days, we have had pictures flashed to earth and on our television screens and on our newspapers from Mars. And they tell us that the scientists are amazed at the oxygen on Mars and the possibility that there was originally life there, or maybe still is, they don't know. Well, I want to tell you, God knows. All the vast secrets of the universe, God knows all about them. They are already known to him. Somebody asked me the other day, what do you think about our people traveling out in space and going over to the moon and over to Mars and, and then they want to go to all the other planets? What do you think about that? Well, what does God think about it? Well, here's what I think. I think when God says you've gone as far as I'm going to let you, he'll stop us just like that. And he'll not let us go any farther. But as long as God allows us to do it, as long as God gives us the ingenuity to do it, I think we have the responsibility from the Word of God to go as far as man can go. And all of that to demonstrate to man that as far as you go, your number is still going to be six. You'll never be seven. You'll never get to the, you'll never arrive at God. You'll never be what God was and what God is. Russia sent spacemen and they traveled up miles and miles in space. They sent back a word to the earth. Our Spudniks have gone beyond the limit of any man. We've gone beyond the stars. We've gone beyond the moon. We've gone beyond the orbits of the earth. And we have not yet seen God. And Russia is turning out the lights of the opium of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And soon the gospel of God will be relegated to mythology. Our men were permitted to arrive at the moon and to walk on the moon first. You know why I think God let America do that? Why did some pagan nation not walk on the moon first? 
If you were listening on Christmas Eve, you heard our spacemen as they circled the moon read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God was given the glory and the credit. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Doesn't that bless your soul? We have a great God. And with all of his greatness, he's vastly interested in you and me. He wants to dwell in our hearts. Now, that's unthinkable. He's concerned about you and me when we pass through valleys of shadow. This past week, a number of our families have gone through sorrow. They've stood by caskets of dear loved ones and have seen those caskets lowered into the earth and their hearts have nearly broken and they've wondered, where is God? Where is God? And the great God of this universe has whispered in their hearts, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord God is in charge. And he knows the heartaches. He knows the sorrows. The shadows deepen and my heart bleeds. I will not question the way God leads. This side of heaven we know in part, I will not question a broken heart. We'll talk it over in the by and by. We'll talk it over my Lord and I. I'll ask the reasons and he'll tell me why. When we've talked it all over in the by and by, God cares. That great God of the universe, that great sovereign of the world cares about the heartaches and the fears and the burdens and the perplexities and the problems that you and I face. But there's another glorious truth in this scripture, and that is our grounds of acceptance before God. There's an amazing question here, and you ought to mark it in your Bible, verse 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Now the hill of the Lord is heaven. It could be that the hill of the Lord was symbolically Jerusalem. Maybe it was Mount Moriah upon which the temple was built originally. But always Zion was a symbol of heaven. And the temple was a symbol of God's dwelling place. And it was always something that pointed spiralward toward heaven and toward the very throne of God. And so we're well within scriptural understanding and interpretation when we say that the question, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, is really a question that says, who is it that's going to arrive at heaven at last? Who's going to get there? Who will be saved? Who in this congregation, who in this universe, who in this earth will get to heaven? Well, there's an amazing answer. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Selah. Think of that. Now notice the answer. Who is it that's going to get to heaven? He that has clean hands. Now I want to ask you something. Here, here in the auditorium and those who listen by radio, how many of us have clean hands? How many, everybody take your hands and just look at them a minute. 
Now think of all the things those hands have done. Sometimes they've ministered to people who were ill and sick. Sometimes they've done kind things and served food and worked on machines and they've done all kinds of things for others. But I wonder how many times those hands have done evil things, wicked things, deceiving things, sinful things. They've touched property that did not belong to you. They've touched the emotions of somebody that was not yours to touch. They've done things that were evil in the sight of God. I wonder if there's anybody in this room who can stand and say, or just lift your hand and say, Preacher, I have clean hands. I've never soiled my hands in sin. Is there one person? You see, all of us have one common malady. That's sin. S-I-N. There is not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord had to lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Every one of us has wicked, sin-filled hands. Let's look a moment further. He has not lifted up his soul into vanity. If you could look inside of you, your very suke, your very being, that which is really you, how many of us could say, Lord, there's never been a time in my life when my being, my life, my very soul was not lifted up in vanity, not puffed up with pride. No, we all share the same malady there. Everyone in this room, everyone to whom I speak, everyone in this universe has that same cancerous van vanity and pride eating away at his life stream. We're all guilty before God. There is not one of us who is guiltless. Sometimes I use this scripture at a funeral. I've used it at funerals of people who were imperfect. I had the funeral one day of a, of a man who had lived a wicked life. In the last days of his life, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. When I came to that funeral, was, the place was packed. There were many, many people there at the funeral home. And they wondered what the preacher would say about at the funeral of a man who was a wicked man. I used this scripture. Who is it that will ascend into heaven? He that has clean hands. And I asked the people in that audience, to look at their hands. How many of you have clean hands? I asked them to look at their soul. How many of you have a soul before God which has never sinned? How many of you could say, I've never sworn deceitfully? Now, I didn't have any hands raised. Why? Because we all had shared the same common malady with this man. We were guilty of sin. Some men's sins go before them. Some men's sins are made open and obvious. Some men's sins are secret and hidden. And no one knows about them. Only God. But in this universe, in this earth, there is not one of us who can stand and say, I deserve right standing before God because of what I am. Not one, not one. And so we must look beyond 
our own lives for the answer to that? Who is the psalmist talking about? Who is it that will arrive safely at heaven? He that has clean hands, who has not lifted up his soul into vanity nor sworn deceitfully. Who is that? Well, it certainly isn't the preacher. It certainly is not the deacons. It certainly is not the Sunday school teachers. It certainly is not the church members. It certainly is not Americans. It certainly is not Russians. Certainly not Spanish people. Who is it? We have to go beyond all of that to the God-man of all eternity. And Paul said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in likeness as a man and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed Jesus the choir sang about him Jesus the people have come testifying about him Jesus our Mexican mission group went to Texas and Mexico to talk about him Jesus the Lamb of God without shame and without stain and without sin the only one who could put his hands before God and say God I have clean hands the only one who could expose his soul before God and say soul God my soul is clean and I have never sworn deceitfully and so the scripture speaks of Jesus God's meek lamb who died on a cross who is it that shall ascend into the hill of the Lord Jesus Jesus and all of those whom he leads he leads as the captain of our salvation he leads them as a mighty army beyond the portals of this life and this death and out beyond the valley of the grave into the very hill of God Jesus do you have on the wedding garments of Christ today have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power are you washed in the blood of the Lamb have you taken your dirty hands and your soul that has been deceitful and your life that has been vain and filled with pride have you taken it to Jesus and said here it is Jesus I need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. I need a cleansing from Calvary. Only those will arrive at heaven. Oh, friend, you can be baptized and never get to heaven. You can take the nitre and wash thyself with soap and never get to heaven. You can take your hands and cleanse them and wash them and rub them and never get to heaven you can join the church and sing the songs of Zion and never get to heaven never stand on the hill of the Lord but you cannot come to Calvary and be washed in the blood of the Lamb and be born again and miss heaven you just can't do it have you been to Calvary the last part of this wonderful psalm speaks of the glory yet to be the greatness of God the grounds of our acceptance before God Jesus is the only grounds Jesus and at the cross there is a common meeting place black and white male and female young and old wicked 
and morally righteous. They all meet together at the cross. And with one great chorus we sing, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. We see just a little bit about the glory yet to be. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. There's something better to come. The glory of heaven. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them and be their God, and God himself shall be with them, and they shall be his people. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no... ...is carried out to the grave. There is coming a day, says the word of God, when God will send his angel, and I don't understand all about the death angel, but God will send the death angel will catch away that spirit to be with Christ. And then the glorious coming again of the Lord, there will be a resurrection of the body and a reuniting of the spirit with the body and we'll have a new body. We'll be in the presence of the Lord forever and forever. And friend, there'll be no more ambulances because there are no more emergencies. There'll be no more doctors because there's no more sickness. There'll be no more funeral homes because there will be no more death in that glorious city of God. Friends will be there I have loved long ago. Joy like a river all round me will flow. Yet just a smile from the Savior I know will through the ages be glory for me. Do you have that assurance in your heart? That's what this wonderful psalm's all about. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who is it that will come at last to heaven? those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus. May we pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, would you ask yourself seriously that question, am I certain I have been bought by Jesus, that my sins are under the blood, that I'm saved? Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of meeting together as God's dear children today. We pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to every heart. And may we be turned to Christ. May those who are saved rejoice in the Lord more than we've rejoiced before. And may those who are outside of Christ come and say, Lord, I want You in my life. I need You. Oh, God, move across the heartstrings of people today. We pray in Jesus' precious, wonderful name. Amen. Will you stand, please? <clears throat> We're going to sing God's invitation. <clears throat> As we sing, may I request, please, that no one leave? Many times I make that request, and some of you leave anyway. Well, I won't ask you not to. Unless you're, it's an emergency. Because it's an insult to God. You know, just get up and walk out. 
when we're inviting people to let the Holy Spirit do his knife work, his conviction work, and move in people's hearts. Now, if you're here without Christ today, I want to ask you to come to Jesus just like you are. Without one plea, but that his blood was shed for thee, will you come? Maybe you've already been saved in your home or somewhere before you got here today, but you've never made it public. You've never confessed Christ openly as your Savior. Will you come? Maybe you're a Christian. Your church membership is somewhere else and God wants you here. Would you come? Maybe God has spoken to your heart about service to him. Would you step out for his glory? While we sing, the choir sings, all of us sing, who will come first for the King, Christ Jesus?